am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to book club number 31. And it's been a while since I've done a book club. There's been some stuff going on, crazy things, haven't been able to to put stuff together. But here we are with book number 31. And the book I want to talk about this week uh, is my newest passion when it comes to, to reading and researching. And that is Nick Nurse's book, Rapture. And it is a a book about his coaching journey. Uh, it is a fascinating story, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard about Nick Nurse's coaching journey. Uh, but he go, lays it out in, in, in pretty good detail, and all the steps that he took from coaching in England of all places uh, for two two stints of his life, well over a decade coaching in Belgium, coaching in the D League, going to an NBA assistant, then of course getting the call up to be the Raptors head coach, and then. Uh, of course, winning an NBA championship in 2018-2019. But I took a bunch of notes here, wanted to talk about some things that I read in the book uh, that I really liked. And there's a pretty long list here. I'm going to try and get it done in about 10 or 12 minutes or so. Number one, he talks about the importance of communication and communicating with your players, uh, not being mean, but you have to be honest. You have to be firm but fair when communicating with your players. And, and he talked about how early in his career, especially at, at Grandview College, he was the head coach at Grandview for a couple of years after he left Northern Iowa as a player, and he really failed in his communication. He did not. He admitted that he did a poor job with his communication, and he spent time working on his communication skills. Uh, another thing that Nurse talked about, finding something outside of coaching to occupy your time, that we can get so wrapped up in it that we don't have a hobby or an outlet or something that is going to help us relax. For him, it's playing the piano. Uh, for myself, it's exercise, going out, walking the dog, putting in a good podcast, just escaping into a good walk. Uh, but you got to find something to keep that balance in your life. Uh, a really interesting thing he talks about. He talks about just getting reps as a coach. And if you're a young coach, you need to go out there and just get reps. Coach a summer team, coach an AAU team, coach a junior high team, whatever it is. There is nothing that can substitute drawing up a play in a huddle or communicating in a huddle or running your own practice and you're the head person in charge. Uh, Figuring out what you're going to run for out of bounds plays, how to organize a practice, how you're going to come out of a out of timeout situation, all of those things you can think about those things you can you can theorize about those things, but until you actually do it, you you won't know it. Failure is okay if you learn from it and you admit your mistakes. Like I talked about, his tenure at Grandview College in Des Moines for two years uh, was not what he wanted to have, and he had to get better because of that. Be intellectually curious. Read. That's why I do book club pods is because reading is so important. So read every day, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about basketball all the time. I went from an Agatha Christie murder mystery novel to a Cubs book, to a to Nick Nurse's book, and now I'm reading a book about President Trump. Those have been my last four books I've read, but I read every day. So be intellectually intellectually curious. Expect to win. Have a slogan. Have a catchphrase. Have something to summarize your team's journey for this upcoming season. For my team this year, it's clear the path. We got to clear the path. We are establishing something, and we are clearing the path for those to follow us. 
study film, study film, learn from watching film, watch your own games, record games on TV, men's games, women's games, college games, high school games, professional games. Learn, 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 and continue to study that film. When I was a younger coach, I had VCR tape after VCR tape filled with, uh, that was the old six-hour VCR tape. I would have three games recorded, and I wouldn't necessarily watch them in December, January. I didn't have time during the season. You know when I had them? I watched them in the off-season, and I would spend hours. I would spend a, a game a day watching, going through, charting it out, spending at least an hour every day watching film and honing my craft as a young coach. Watch film. Don't be afraid to go against the grain. Just because this is what everybody else does doesn't mean that we should do it, okay? If it fits for you, and especially if it's uh, a tactical thing that you're zigging while everybody else is zagging, you've got a tactical advantage. When Chip Kelly came out with the spread offense, he started, why was it so successful? Because he was the only one doing it. Now everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of teams are doing it, and teams are still scoring, and they're they're being successful, but not as successful as it was when Chip Kelly started it. Same thing with Daryl Royal and the wishbone back in the late 60s and early 70s. Nobody knew how to defend it, and so it was very difficult to stop. Uh, same thing with 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 Nick Nurse. You know, he talked. You know, go against the grain. Throw a junk defense. He wins an NBA championship by throwing in triangle twos and box and ones and a, and a diamond press at the NBA level, which they never, which they never do. Okay, work on making connections. Uh, he talked about he spent a stretch. He would go out to California, and this is before the NBA summer league was what we know of it now in Las Vegas. All thirty teams. It was much uh, less formal than what it is today. But he would go out there and he would talk and he would just offer his services to anybody. I'll help run a practice. I'll do this. I'll do that. I just just want to make those connections and he and he talked with Phil Jackson and he created a relationship with Phil Jackson and he he created relationships with other people within the NBA circles and it took him years and years and years for those connections to pay off but eventually it did be sure and we as high school coaches know this more than anybody don't specialize be ready to do it all and as high school coaches we have to do it all but don't think that you're above doing anything Um, Now, I've talked about prioritizing things and delegating authority, but you have to be willing, if you're an assistant coach listening to this podcast and wanting to read this book, you have to be willing to do everything within the program, and I encourage you to do everything, to be as versatile as you can. You know, uh, as Belichick would say, the more you can do, the more you can do. And so if you're a coach that can do more things, and that's attractive to employers. If you can perfect one skill to teach, have it be shooting. And Nick Nurse talked about the nurse pill and the shooting camps and the and the way he would publicize that uh, around the Iowa and Midwestern area. And he would go out and, and market himself. If you can perfect teaching one skill, the most important skill in the game, in my opinion, is shooting the basketball. Be ready to adjust on the fly. Be ready to, to you just can't go into a game with a plan A. You got to go in with a plan B and a plan C. And to be ready to jump to that if you if you feel in your gut that plan A isn't working the way that you want to. One of the most fascinating stories I had, I, I, I really enjoyed in the book, was uh, he talked about when he was the head coach of the Iowa Energy, of the, the, the D League at the time. Now we call it the G League. He spent a, an entire summer with him and his assistant coach, Nate Bjorgen, and he just got named as the Indiana Pacers head coach last week. 
And they just spent time talking about different scenarios and whiteboards, and, and they would write stuff out, and they would experiment, and they would try to prepare for the pressure before the pressure situations even happen. And and that's just fascinating to me, thinking about two guys sitting in a basement, going through film, watching film, uh, talking about how they would run this and, and what they should prepare for, and having those scenarios pre-thought out before they even happen, before you get into that huddle. Because when you're down one point with 25 seconds left to go, and you've just called a full timeout, every second of that 60-second timeout is absolutely precious to commu- communicate to your team how confident you are and here's what we're going to do and and selling it to your team that if you do this, we're going to be successful and we're going to have a great look and it's just up to us to make or miss the shot that I'm drawing up for you. Um, play through your players' best players' strengths. Find who your best two or three players are on your team and play through your play through their strengths. Have a flexible system that can adjust to those players' strengths. And not every year it's going to be the exact same. You're going to run different options. You're going to come up with different schemes. But have a system flexible enough that it's permanent, that you're not coming in and you're reinventing the wheel every year, but that you uh, are playing to those players' strengths, your best players' strengths. He talked about what he called the shooting spectrum. Um, and different spots on the floor are worth different points. In the NBA, it's the corner threes and uh, are, are about a, almost two feet shorter than the straightaway threes or the above the, above the elbow threes. So they really emphasize those shots in the NBAs. And, and teams want to take corner threes and they want to take away corner threes. So when they started scrimmaging and he wanted to introduce those concepts and the value of certain shots, they made the corner threes instead of worth being three points in scrimmages, they made them worth four points. They made shots around the basket worth three points instead of two points and things like that. And so if you ha- you can control your team's shot selection by emphasizing where you want those points to be at and where you know it's not that a three-pointer isn't a valuable shot and if you're at the top of the key and it's a good shot let it fly that's worth three points but if if you want to emphasize the corner three as an example now in high school it's 19-9 all the way around the arc but if that's the shot that you want then emphasize that in pickup games emphasize that in uh, your practices and your scrimmages uh, use your summer leagues to tinker. Use your summer camps to tinker. That's a great time. Uh, what I would often worry about in the summers is not what my best players can or cannot do, because I'm pretty sure, you know, I had a pretty good idea. I know what I'm going to get from those kids, but emphasize what your players four, five, six, seven, and eight can do or not do and put those players in situations. For example, uh, there was a one game, and I don't know why this sticks out to me, but we were down three with like 30 seconds left, and our best shooter was out. And and you know how it is where you're rotating kids in and out. Well, yeah, could I have put her back in to win the summer league game? And perhaps, you know, if, if we run the play for her, we got a better chance of making that shot. Yeah, probably. But I was curious to see how one or two other kids would react to it. And so we left her on the bench. We drew up the play for maybe what would be our fourth or fifth best three-point shooter because I wanted to see how that player would react in that situation. And I had a couple of my seniors come up to me and say, hey, why didn't we run this play for 
player X. And I explained to them to it. I said, no, I'm not, you know, it's June 15th. Yeah, it would have been great to make that shot on June 15th, but I'm kind of curious to see how that player is going to handle that on December 15th and January 15th. And once you explain that to your team, they understand that. And, and it turned out to work out really well for us that season. At all times, you need to be prepared to speak in front of your team, but don't talk just to talk. Yesterday, I had our organizational meeting to get ready for our season with our team. I told them I wanted to talk for uh, 12 to 15 minutes, and I was done in about 14 minutes. I, I wanted to make sure. You have to be efficient with your team. And if you don't have anything to say to your team at the beginning of practice, don't say anything. Just say, hey, all right, hey, let's get ready to go. Let's have a good practice today. Let's get after it. Let's bring great energy. Boom. If you don't have that in you that day, you don't have to say anything. And I'm going to talk about the, the bullets and the gun, which I think is a great thing that he talks about as well. Um, but, but don't speak just to speak. If you're going to speak, have something prepared. Um, I'm going to flip the page here real quick. I just got three or four more things here. X's and O's are 15% of coaching. I thought that was a fascinating statement that he made later on in the book. X's and O's are 15% of coaching. Yeah, it's important. It's a decent percentage of what you do, but it's building relationships. It's communicating. It's staying organized. It's, it's, it's making sure your players are prepared. So forth. We get so enamored. What do we love to see on Twitter is X's and O's in this play and that pick and roll series and that type of thing. Yeah, that those things are important, but it's not nearly as important as communication, building relationships, and building trust within your team. Uh, one of the things, one of the motivating things that he did um, as a coach, uh, the, his first year with the Raptors, there, uh, Dwayne Casey had been the coach. They had been very successful. They had won fifty games, over fifty games, multiple times, but they had. Uh, not done well in the playoffs and he bought everybody bracelets and it just said AMJ on the bracelets and that stood for April May June and his point with those bracelets was this is not you know our season we will none of us will be judged in this locker room by what we do in December or February we've proven that we're really good there we're going to be proven or we're going to be judged by what we do in April, May, and June. And I thought that was a great story there. He talks about commitment to player development. And the NBA level, by just the sheer magnitude of time that they have with their players, does the best job of any level of basketball with player development. Uh, the players have the money, the players have the time to, that's their life, that's their job. And I thought that if we can take a sliver of that and apply it to our teams and to our programs, that commitment to player development is so vitally important to what we do. And then the last thing, and I thought this was really, really interesting, and it's something that I believed uh, before I even read this. He talked about having six bullets in the gun. And he, what he means by that is you have, in the NBA season, you have about six bullets that you can fire six times where you can really get after your team. I've always believed at the high school. So in the NBA level, if you start in October, you got October, November, December, January, February, March, and maybe a little bit of April. And then, you know, so basically once a month. So at our high school level, which most of us are, are that listen to this, you have about three bullets in your gun. And I've always thought that if you have to get after your team more than three times, and I think three is even really high, you know, twice is kind of the ideal number. Uh, you're probably going to have to get after your team once, maybe twice throughout the year. But if you get, 
if you get to that uh, more than, you know, definitely three times and you've got to fire those bullets, you're probably in trouble. I mean, you just are. You're just probably in trouble with your team, especially if you're a veteran coach and you know what it takes. When you're a younger coach, you think you have to fire those bullets because you're you're probably not as patient as a more older, an older, more experienced coach. Uh, I've had seasons um, where I never had to fire a bullet. There, there, I literally there. There were a couple of seasons, and I was really, really blessed as a head coach. Didn't have to fire one bullet. Uh, through, throughout the entire season. Uh, there were a couple of years where I fired two or three bullets before Christmas. And, and those were really, really tough seasons, you know, where it was just like we weren't getting to where we where we should be at. And we were trying to find something and, and just human nature took over and you got frustrated and, and you're, you're evaluating team, you're evaluating your film and you're, you're not getting what you expect out of the players that you have. And those were a couple of long seasons. Uh, I had a one year where I fired one bullet, but because our chemistry was so tenuous that that one bullet actually was more damaging than it was productive and that caused a lot of problems and a lot of issues but that team was very very mentally fragile as the season went along so be careful with with the bullets that you have in your gun and be careful how you fire them and where you fire them and try to think ahead when you're going to fire your bullets or to prepare yourself that you just don't fire your bullets haphazardly because they are precious bullets that you can use so Nick Nurse's Rapture, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, four countries, 15 teams, all this other stuff with it. It's a really, really good book, and it's it's a it's a brand new book, so it's a little bit expensive. Uh, I got lucky. I asked it was my birthday. I asked my 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 mom and dad to pay for it, and they bought it for me. So thanks, mom and dad. Appreciate it. It was a really, really good read. I highly encourage you to pick it up. Uh, so go out, pick it up. You won't regret it. It will be money well spent reading Nick Nurse's Rapture. Uh, again, if you're, if you're listening, you're on iTunes or SoundCloud, like, rate, review, give us a five star, let us know, uh, what we can do better by emailing us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter handle is a pen and a napkin, and we'll try to put stuff out there as we get going into the crazy season. It's closing down. It's closing in folks. And I think Nick Nurse's Rapture would be a great read for any coach as we start to get ready for the upcoming 2020, 21 season. So Coaches, as always, let's stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day.